battery capacity, bitch. Wait, this is the wrong intro. That's an intro. <laughs> it is an it's, intro. It's kind of groovy. It's like kind of grooving out to it. Yeah, that's the old intro. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, uh, you know, the music didn't get me. It's that I didn't hear Fletcher screaming. That's how you <laughs> yeah. know. Uh, yeah, and Fletcher should be the intro to every show on the stream, as we know. Yeah, he gets paid very well for that, which is nothing. Hello and welcome to episode number 237 of Grumpy Old Ben's Wednesday, November 22nd, 2023. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside a shy rack where the turkeys are being spared, but the people are being gunned down left and right. And from America's left coast, where your car may be electric, but you're still an asshole. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Yeah, those two things, they don't, well, they do kind of go together. Boobery already uh, with the 17776. Wait, are y'all live? No, see? We are not. This is pre-recorded. You are boosting a pre-recorded show, and we appreciate that. We do. We do. Very much so, Boobery. Well, it's been a month. I looked. I'm like, wow, it's only been a month. It seems longer in some ways. It seems longer because, you know, the time just stretches out when you don't get to hear my lovely voice every week. Exactly. You're the lovely and talented. I, no, you're the fabulous Ryan Bemrose, as Larry. Leidner has dubbed you the he, he has he has decided that and and i'm i try to ignore the homeoerotic overtones of use of that word <laughs> you're fabulous <laughs> but we are back we're grumpy and there's always we are grumpy there's always tech news are we there is, yeah in that lane no, trust me there is <laughs> your car may be on fire if it's electric and underwater yeah well i you know i, I have so I got two ways I can go. First of all, I, I, I the reason for our hiatus uh, arguably is because none of you all were donating. So we figure a month between shows will bring our total amount up to the way that it should be for, you know, weekly. You're redefining value for value. I, I'm not sure exactly. <laughs> uh, but the other reason was that I had just started a new job and physically it was destroying me because somebody who spent the last several years as a computer jockey, I was fat and out of shape. And suddenly my new job involved uh, getting in and out of a vehicle and carrying heavy packages all day. Uh, I am now kind of used to that. I am in probably the best shape I've been in in 20 years. Damn. Already. Uh, it's a, uh, it's a different thing for me and I don't regret the new job, but there's certainly some aspects of it that I've seen on the road that I could not help, but start ranting about again. I'm sure you do that just throughout your normal work day as well. As a matter of fact, it's a good thing. You know, uh, the, the company does have these uh, nanny cameras that watch how you drive. <laughs> they, they have cameras that point out and they have an AI that's searching for things like stop signs. And if you California roll through a stop sign, it immediately pings 
the home office and says, this person is a shitty driver and here's an infraction. So we get, we get that all day. So I've got an AI being my fucking nanny on the road. Yeah, I need that. Uh, fortunately, it turns out I'm actually not a terrible driver. And the best part about it is that when I'm getting paid and I'm on the clock and I'm like, you know, if I get there now or if I get there in 40 seconds from now, well, the difference is an extra 40 seconds of pay. Right. So I'm okay with being patient. You know, I'm not on my own time. So right. I'm, I'm not dying for getting, get there, get there, get there. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's certainly time pressure, but fuck them. Well, that was always the thing with working in the flooring industry. When you had the installers that wanted to be paid by the yard rather than by the hour, you knew they were good and quick. Yeah. Because if you can be like, hey, no, I want to be paid by the yard. I can make more money because I know it's going to be good and I know I'm quick. People that are paid well, by the hour, well, then it's like, well, you're right. Slow motion, baby. I get and I get paid by the hour and I'm not dragging anything out. For one thing, uh, the the AI gives me a certain number of packages through the day, which have been very carefully calculated by the computer and all the inputs. They have decided that this should take exactly 10 hours to deliver. And I start at or eight hours, however many hours. And I start at 7 a.m. And if I do it relatively efficiently, I can get done before sunset, which is when it becomes a whole lot harder to find people's houses. How much is uh, computerized telling you? Is it not like go left turn? You don't have like an Alexa voice talking to you all day telling you where to go. I shut up the Alexa voice. There's a mute button for that. <laughs> uh, it has uh, it, what it I mean. Strictly speaking, what it tells you is go here, deliver this package, go here, deliver this package. And the most complicated thing is trying to figure out between the, I mean, it's effectively, it's a Google maps type thing. Um, we, it, it, everything is done in this one app on the phone, which integrates, I think the back end is Google maps, but the front end is much worse UI. Um, but it integrates a maps thing and says, go here. And it gives me an address and uh, a, it, it would talk to me if I let it, but no. And it gives me the little line showing the roads on the map and uh, from there. So the two difficult parts of the job, and, and believe it or not, this is a lot more mentally challenging than I ever would have expected this job to be. The first is finding the right place quickly. And then the second one is finding the right package of, of the 500 or so packages in the van at the beginning of the day to deliver quickly. Because if you spend five minutes at every stop searching for which package to deliver, you're not going to get done before dark. They have to have some kind of super duper great sorting system, right? There, no. What they have is a sorting system. And then I have to make it super duper great by, uh, you know, it, it, they all come in these big mesh bags that are each one about 50 pounds and maybe, you know, three feet by two feet or something. And uh, it tells you which one, which bag everything's in and tries to sort it roughly by order. But each time I open a new bag, I'm, you know, the what's in there is random. So I have to pick out, like I come up with my own sorting system, look at the addresses, try to figure it. I, you don't need to know all of the details of the job because they're actually much more boring than, than I'd make them sound. But let's just say um, I, I've, I've become used to it. I've become relatively quick at it. I, have a lot more respect than I ever did before at the people who go out and deliver packages to, you know, a hundred, 150 houses a day to uh, getting these, the fact that 
everybody loves to whine and bitch every single time that a package ends up at the wrong place or is torn or something. But the very fact that 99.9, like, like three Sigma's worth of these packages all get delivered accurately all the damn time. The number of packages in a day that like it's one in maybe a thousand packages will get misdirected. The efficiency of this stuff is crazy. Now, all that said, there are things to complain about. The first one I've already kind of led into is I'm not really a huge fan of how they treat all their drivers like a fucking algorithm. Um, I want to punch whoever invented GPS for one thing. <laughs> this is how quick you should go. Go, go. Well, that's I did, okay. So uh, every single stop, every delivery has GPS coordinates connected to it and it checks your phone GPS. And these people have decided that drivers cannot be trusted. The only people who can be trusted are the people who write the app, the app, that fucking crashes randomly through the day. The app that in between uh, scanning a package and looking up the address for it, it throws me up a little spinning weight dialogue while it goes and fetches something from the network. You assholes, I don't want the network. I want to know which package I'm looking at. Yeah, um, you want, you're like, I'm looking the, to work. I'm looking to get this package. I'm looking to get yeah, out my way. This app, I, 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 I the fact that I used to write apps in a previous career makes me just want to go have words with the people who wrote this one that is dominating my day every day, every day in and out. But uh, the worst part about it is that the GPS pin is all holy. If you if you are not delivering and you're you know at the moment you decide to deliver the coordinates in your GPS in your phone match the coordinates where it says to deliver. If you're not inside of like a 30 foot circle of that, it just won't let you deliver. It's like, Oh, sorry, we won't, we won't actually let you record that you delivered them. Well, that works great. If you assume that every single entry in the entire GPS database is absolutely correct all the time, including with brand new fucking houses, right? It's not. So you're sitting so, there. And you're at the front door and you're like, I'm trying to get this. And you're pressing deliver. And they're like, please go to the specified address. Yeah, that's exactly what it says. <laughs> it says something like you are outside the delivery circle or something like that. And uh, everybody, the, the way that I was told by other drivers, and by the way, uh, I, I, I have lots of hate words for the higher ups at the company who I've never encountered before because I don't work for them. I work for a smaller company who just contracts a fleet of drivers and vans. These people know what the hell it's like on the road. They deliver every day. Uh, they are helpful and supportive. And I absolutely love the people I work with. I just have a lot of trouble with the people who think that every, every single delivery driver can just be an entry in a database. Okay. Well, right. And I think a lot of people assume when they see the Amazon trucks that they're owned by Amazon. And I don't think they, ever are. I think it is all subcontract. The, the van out. that I drive is owned, owned and operated by my company that, that I work for who contracts for delivering packages. Right. They pay so, Amazon. They work a deal so they can get the delivery. Exactly. And the thing I love the most about it is that there is a great deal of bullshit coming down from the big company that lands squarely on the management team at the, at, at my group. And they don't pass it on to me. They're like, go deliver stuff. If you really need to know something, we'll let you know. But otherwise, let's just get the job done. 
And I love being insulated from the Silicon Valley bullshit that is falling down on everybody. Yeah, nobody but wants that. No, nobody, nobody wants to deal with it. But anyway, yeah, the, 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 the way that I was taught, in fact, on my very first day, this is what the other drivers told me. And, and this is not a prescribed method, but if you are at a location and you are certain that the GPS pin in the database is wrong, which I will tell you out of 150, 200 stops a day, probably happens 10 times a day. Their, their database really needs updating, especially for new areas. If the pin is wrong, here's what I was told to do. First of all, uh, tab out of the app, go into settings on your phone, put your phone in airplane mode. So it disables the live GPS. Now go back and turn on Bluetooth because the app itself will not refuse to do anything if it can't find Bluetooth. Now go back into the app. And it switches. Uh-oh. Sorry, that was a cough. Okay. Missed my cough button. <laughs> well, see, your health now, is uh, now and then. Yeah, no, I, well, no, I, I just had, I, I had a little allergen crawling in my lap. Yeah, they're still here. Okay. Once you're in airplane mode and your GPS is disabled, now it forces the app into this offline mode where it uses stored offline maps and the app doesn't quite know for sure that there hasn't been an update from the cloud. And so in that offline mode, you can then pull down the hamburger menu, go into location help, uh, switch over, and finally say uh, the pin for this stop is wrong. And then it lets you go through this whole other UI, which is clunky straight out of 2004, uh, where it has says, please drag the pin across the map to where you think it is. Uh, you move that, you click through, you have to attest upon penalty of perjury that, yes, I absolutely believe these are the correct GPS coordinates. And when I attest under penalty of perjury, I usually look up and be like, yeah, I'm staring at the fucking house number. And don't you have to take and, a photo as well, which you could be like, right? Well, here? you have to take a photo with every single delivery, every single delivery. You have to take a photo of where you left the package. And, and it's when you're trying to take this photo photo, that it checks the GPS and is like, we are not here. So yeah, this dance of putting my phone in airplane mode to disable the sensors so that it doesn't get all of its GPS data from almighty database, just because nobody's ever delivered to this address before. And the almighty database has no freaking idea where the front door is. This is the most frustrating part of my day. It's like run However, 40 feet in that direction. Yeah. Sometimes what I do is I will, uh, it, I, I actually just as a smart ass thing once uh, looked at the pin and I'm like, oh, it's it's 25 feet away. So I went. So I was inside the circle and took the photo right. and <laughs> set it like, up there. Yeah, like, why I only did so that because the customer was standing there. Like, <laughs> like, I don't want to confuse the customer. <laughs> I actually want to do right by the guy who's receiving the package or the girl it, that I want to do right by them. But fuck all of these Silicon Valley overlords who write an app that just doesn't trust drivers because. Where are the people out there? Where are the people who see the world that you only look at through a goddamn database? All the trolls were pretty sure it was Jeff Bezos turning off your internet connection, not a cough. The other thing that I notice out on the road is the number of electric vehicles out there. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of Teslas, a lot of the... Uh, uh, 
uh, well, there's a correlation between the number of people who have enough disposable income to be able to splurge on an electric car for the environment, of course. Of course. And the people who are ordering online products every single day. Oh, see, oh, yeah, you will get to notice those people. That so, it's not like a once a week or a, a random. No, no. I, I, you know, another another aspect of of they think that drivers are automatons. This kind of makes sense because once you learn an area, you learn all of the places where the fucking GPS is wrong. You learn where where it's going to route you down this road, but the delivery is down that road. And you just have to and you learn which housing complexes have a central mail room and which housing complexes you have to walk to the front door of every third floor fucking apartment carrying a 40 pound container of cat litter or something. Whoa, wait, wait, you have to walk upstairs all the goddamn time. Oh, that's crazy. I never thought of that. So it makes sense that you have to, that that they give you the similar routes over and over again. But as a, a human being with a brain and more importantly with ADD, um, I get a little frustrated when I get the same place. Like I would love to have a new place once in a while, but I have the same shitty part of Everett along highway 99 almost every day these days. I, you know, that's hard, but the number of electric, I don't know if this is a characteristic of EV owners, but the number of power cables that people will just string across the sidewalk, sidewalk, trying to trip somebody <laughs> carrying a box. Well, you got to plug the car in. Yeah. And then you got to trip anybody walking up your sidewalk, I guess. I would just go to my neighbor's house, plug an extension cord in there, go to the other neighbor's house, plug in an extension cord there. I, I've actually, that that's, you know, one of the un- unmentioned things is if, if you have a Tesla, you better have your own driveway or your own garage. Hopefully not a garage because they'll set your house on fire. But uh, the people who have uh, you know, parking in these big apartment complexes, I've actually seen a couple times when uh, somebody tried to run an extension cord all the way out to the the communal parking area of the apartment complex. <laughs> it doesn't always end well. No, I'm that's not, not a good one. idea. But, but seeing the sheer number of... Uh, it, not all brands of electric cars, it just of Teslas and thinking it, 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 like, especially in the single car affluent neighborhoods who order packages day after day after day. And I am on the left coast. They've got Teslas in the driveway. They've got uh, the it, it, not so much the Black Lives Matter signs, but the one that has a whole bunch of lines. You know, we believe in this house. Science is real. Socialism is the thing. Uh, black lives, you know, they, they in order all every colors. day, even though it's killing the planet. They, yeah, a lot of them, a lot of houses have that. And I'll tell you what, if you have, if you show that kind of idiocy, putting that kind of sign out in your place, then it, I, you know, let's just say not everybody might be careful with your packages. Not that I would admit to harming anybody's stuff, but there's, there's just, harming and then there's destroying. So yeah, and and then there's there's I don't really want to walk up the last three steps to so your package is getting tossed. I've noticed that Amazon is trying to, but they're not doing a lot. They're nudging a little bit with the hey, do you really need this package today? Or you could get it on your Amazon Prime Day every week. You know, let's get less packages because that's better for you. It's like no, we get what you're doing. 
but they're only offering on most of the stuff. If you use one of their credit cards, you're like, oh, you'll get an extra 1% off if you let us deliver this in three days instead of one. And I'm well, guessing it's, a lot of people don't take them up on that. They've got, they've got an algorithm that batches. Yeah. I, everything is absolutely deriv- driven by the algorithm. At the beginning of the day, my app is downloaded this huge list of here's all the packages, here's all the stops, and it groups them by where to go. And I got a little bit of issue about how it groups the stops because uh, now I have heard, and this might not be true, but I have heard from uh, a UPS driver that I know, uh, it was either UPS or FedEx, I think, um, where they decided to optimize their travel to minimize left turns. Right. Because Uh, You know, these big vans are not terribly maneuverable. And so one of the things that they'll do is they'll go all down one side of the street and then turn around and all down the other side of the street trying to do all right turns. So you you turn onto the main street, you take a right, you take another right into the next house, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. My routes don't do this. They will take me down a, a busy road like Highway 99. And it's a especially bonus if they put all these packages at the end of my route. So I'm there during rush hour and they will have me fucking crisscross this giant five lane Avenue that is full of traffic. Like, okay, your next one is straight across and over 50 yards. Now, are they expecting you on foot to like run across a highway? No, they're expecting me to drive this big ass van across the highway. <laughs> well, that over is a lot over. safer. <laughs> it, 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 I'm, except for the part where I don't own the van and I don't particularly want to wreck it because I'm trying to pull out perpendicular to rush hour traffic. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Enough ranting about that. The, the Seeing this many electric cars, and I get that I am in on the left coast where people care a lot more about electric cars and how the state of Washington wants to incentivize. But right. Well, they've certainly bought into the lie that the electric cars are going to save the planet. I pulled a lot of EV stories today. As well, you should. They're all over the place. Those in AI. Those are the popular things. Yeah, EVs and AI are they're they're some of the yeah they're the big tech stories, and I don't like AI stories. So then you're in the wrong place. I probably am. (laughs) Um, this one this one was has been in my notes for a while, but we haven't done a show. Um, it was in uh, No Agenda's notes actually. They uh brought it up on No Agenda sixteen oh three, which was a couple weeks ago. But I don't care because this story: electric cars may become uninsurable. Uh, from the telegraph and this one, I actually dropped you another link, teslafire.com, which right. is kind of a cheat sheet for the reason why we yeah, have because um, uh, fires are bad. It turns out. Yeah. So short version to this one, electric cars may become ins- uninsurable. Reason is that uh, the bean counters at the insurance company who are the only people in the insurance company who are paid not to put environmental concerns ahead of making some freaking money are noticing things like there's no ceiling on battery repairs. Um, the, the average cost of a battery repair is half the price of a new car. And right. that's, uh, that is uh, most of the time, if the battery takes any damage at all, that's what you have to do. You have to pull the battery pack out and order a new one. And that is half the cost of a new car. And This is something that insurance companies don't really want to pay for often. Uh, Even more so, if you have a minor fender bender, it is always possible that the battery got cracked 
uh, if it got cracked on the outer edge, which, you know, which is usually a big piece of plastic and the least, the, the part that's least likely to cause catastrophic damage, then you can see it if you pull the battery out, but that's expensive. If it got cracked inside, like between cells, there is no way to know without disassembling the whole battery pack. And at that point, you're pretty much in the cost range of a battery replacement. So minor fender benders, there is no simple inspection that a shop can make to check if the thing goes, which means if you're an insurance company and you really want to be sure, you have to replace the battery every time somebody bumps a curb. That is not cost, cost efficient. Car. Yeah, not cost efficient. No. Uh, you know, what happens if you don't? Well, uh, that site that I just dropped has lots of examples at teslafire.com. Now, I, this this I don't know who this is. The The site is straight out of 1998. Uh, you know, no CSS. I, I'm loving it. It's right. just got an HTML table. But it has. Well, it only it has 204 incidents, which statistically speaking, uh, compared to the number of Teslas out there, doesn't seem like that much. But um, some of the reasons uh, Tesla catches on fire while driving, Tesla catches fire on highway. Uh, You know, some of them are obvious fiery crash. Uh, There's one that says uh, a Tesla ran into a gas pump and caught fire. Well, (laughs) normal cars do that, too. The irony, an electric car running into (laughs) a gas pump. But other ones, uh, Tesla catches fire while parked in a garage. Uh, Tesla get, uh, there's at least a couple in here of Tesla gets in a minor fender bender. The, and this is the, the reason for the insurance problem. The battery pack cracks internally. And seven days later, it had a thermal runaway and set the garage on fire. And now if you own one of these electric vehicles, the very idea, somebody sideswipes you on the road, just a minor thing, the kind of thing you pull over, you swap insurance, you you get a towel and buff out where you swapped paint a little bit and drive on. And with a, a metal gas powered car, that would be the end of it because neither one of you wants the, the insurance claim. And now it's possible that your battery got cracked inside and it's going to set your damn house on fire in a week. Nobody wants that risk. Hey, bad potholes might be able to do the same thing. How do you know? Batteries, uh, yeah, a pothole can do it. If you're driving in California, you know, driving while Californian is a real risk. There were a lot on this Tesla dash fire.com that was just spontaneously combusts. Yeah. Tesla catches fire at dealership. That's not usually a risky thing. That's great uh, when you haven't bought the car yet. Yeah. Uh, Tesla burns in parking lot during 49ers game. Well, that's probably a result of how they were playing. Um, Tesla catches fire. No ex- explanation. Uh, Mega pack explodes. Uh, that wasn't even a Tesla car. That was uh, that was one of the the where Tesla puts out the the grid storage. Um, but there were some in here that were just straight up. They bend our our understanding of physics. I pointed out the one that said Tesla is submerged in lake, then catches fire while in the lake. Well, in the lake. That's awesome. You want to have a nice underwater bungalow with a nice fire roaring? Just put a Tesla down there. Yeah. And, and it's not just Tesla. This site is clearly whoever put up the site has a beef against Tesla. This is 
this is characteristic of EVs in general, not just Tesla's. It's just that Tesla is, of course, the most arrogant and has the most hubris of any EV company. Well, and so, the, I forget which one of the agencies, if it was Canada, the United States, somebody just came out with a thing like, well, the proper way to put out an electric vehicle fire is to, well, just let it burn out itself. Yeah, which can take days, but you just like, okay, everybody leave and don't, please don't breathe the lithium and cobalt. And some of the electric vehicle owners, no doubt, were mad. They're like, well, they need the big blanket to throw over it. Like, yeah. Okay. That, that doesn't, you know what? We put a car on top of it and that burned too. <laughs> yeah, okay. What do you think a blanket is going to do? I mean, it's got to be a very special blanket, I would guess. The, that would. The, the problem is that the components in these things, uh, it, it's kind of like a, like, um, what, 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 a combustion of, of explosives and stuff where in order to make real explosives, uh, like say Anfo, you need, uh, the the fuel oil which is the fuel for the combustion but but any fire takes fuel and oxygen at the same time and then heat to ignite it uh in order to get a really good explosion the explosive has to generate its own oxygen to combine with it because in general exploding air going out prevents atmospheric oxygen from coming in that's why fires are limited and why explosions are faster so if you have like an anfo bomb ammonium nitrate when it burns, generates oxygen gas. That's what makes it a very powerful thing to cause fires. Batteries are the same way. There are components in the battery which, when they burn, they fuel the fire itself. So you're not going to burn it out by depriving it of atmospheric oxygen. It's providing its own. That's yeah, also and a, why, and why they burn underwater. To, and it, right. Well, this exactly. I mean, we put a lake on top of this one and it didn't burn. What do you think a blanket's going to do? It's beautiful. Or it did. Electric vehicles, man, they have problems that nobody ever thought about or they did and they pushed them through anyway. But the average so, person buying them certainly didn't think about it. So, yeah, the insurance company actuaries, the, the bean counters are discovering that electric vehicles fail in a much more spectacularly destructive way than uh than gas powered vehicles. Uh, they are much more difficult to check and see if it will fail. Uh, and there's really no ceiling on the, the cost of a repair short of replacing half the vehicle, which I guess that's a ceiling. So why the phrase no ceiling doesn't make sense. Well, yeah, you talk about right to repair on cell phones and tablets and laptops. And then you look at these things they're coming out with that cost, you know, 50, a hundred thousand plus. And it's kind of the same thing. It's like, well, no, you, it's, you, oh, sure, you can do this, but it's not going to be cost effective. So I pulled some statistics out of the the Telegraph article. Uh, one of them is uh, the insurance cost for an electric vehicle up seventy two percent year over year, twenty twenty three versus twenty twenty two. That that's uh, that is that is runaway. It's seventy two percent higher insurance bill this year. Um, the the telegraph is uh, is uk so they they don't use real money but they the quote was some customers report, reported being quoted over 100 pounds a week to insure evs whoa I, I i know that's not really money but it can be translated into a lot of money 100 pounds a week just for insurance that's um, insane uh, across all the EV industry, EV repair costs are estimated. I don't know who estimated this. The Telegraph didn't say uh, 
up 33% 2023 versus 2022, just the cost to repair all EVs. Well, everything is getting more expensive. Uh, the uh, UK government has issued guidelines saying that uh, any EVs with any damage or which have been in an accident should be quarantined away from other vehicles while parked. So you need which a, is not really, a, bad idea. a really big parking space. Yeah, it's okay. Well, that's going to complicate parking lots. It's going to make them less efficient for storing a lot of vehicles, but sure. Well, and again, so, the people that do the math and all this stuff, I saw something the other day that said, okay, let's just say that the whole United States got totally rid of gas. It was going to make a difference of like 0.1 degree Celsius. Yeah. Uh, according I, to their math. I, I don't think it's even that. Probably. I, I well, think, it's all bullshit. I think it's going to make no measurable distance difference. But again, because I always go back to we actually conducted something, a real science, a couple of years ago when 80% of the vehicles stopped being on the roads because everybody was locked inside their houses by an authoritarian government because of the common cold. And with an 80% reduction of all vehicles driving everywhere, you know what the effect was on atmospheric carbon dioxide or overall temperature? Probably went up. Nothing measurable. Nothing at all. Yeah. Got rid of 80% of it. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. So whatever is causing this perceived climate change, it ain't personal cars, but that doesn't stop authoritarian governments from mandating electric vehicles. Don't worry. The insurance companies, uh, when you guys are freaking out about how much it's going to cost you to insure these things, worry not. The federal government will step in and mandate that insurance companies provide coverage. Well, maybe that depends on how many insurance or how many Congress people the insurance companies can buy off. But the article doesn't actually go into this, but I, I, the only way I can see EVs working is if insurance companies stop having the right to drop coverage for people who buy cars that are going to be bombs on the freeway. Well, it's not, I mean, yeah, they don't have to drop the coverage, but this 400 a month or four pound, 400 pounds in the UK, hundred pounds a week. That is what's going to end up happening to your insurance. Well, we know we're not going to make it illegal for you to have a car, but if you want one, it's going to cost yeah. you $500 a week. If you want to insure it, because well, this is what it costs like, now. like every climate hoax driven EV policy that you can see. The ultimate effect is not going to have any effect whatsoever on the climate. What it's going to do is drive people out of personal vehicles and into 15 minute cities. And right. don't we, even think for a moment that that's not intentional. Of course it is. Because so, not, yeah, nothing else uh, makes sense. I don't know. And the ability to shut you off, which is why, well, no, we can't put gas into buildings. Restaurants are like, fuck, comma, you. Oh, of course not. They're well, just like because, going away. Uh, you know, burning any kind of carbon based fuel could uh, increase the amount of plant food in the atmosphere. And we can't have that. Exactly. It's so obvious. I mean, the, the concept that these things are one actually making a difference is a farce because nobody is doing the real science because nobody has taken into account. And I know it's something that has been pounded oh, into your head. No, nobody's paying for the real science. First of all, right. Well, and th then real scientists understand that there's this thing called the sun, which never exists in any of the research that these leftist whack jobs are doing on global warming. 
Yeah, how weird is that, that the hand-waving just goes, oh, we're not going to pay any attention to what the sun is doing to the planet because we're sure that that's negligible. Right, that makes no sense at all. <laughs> Nothing at all, no. It's insane, but you see what it is, and it is to redistribute your money. That is a big part of it. Oh, you want to have a car, you first world slave assholes? Well, yeah, how dare you want the freedom to move about outside of your 15-minute city? They're going to take your money. They're going to redistribute it. Also, you used to be able to drive across country in a day. No, not anymore. I mean, granted, you'd have to be doing the cannonball. Oh, and what, what country? Well, this one. But I mean, if it's happened, you know, in the cannonball, man, they've made it pretty quick. I, I don't think that's possible, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know what? Let's, let's go. There are plenty of countries that you can drive across in the day. Yes. I can drive. I can drive across the state of Washington in six hours. What about if, if there were traffic? no cops, if there were no cops, then I could do it in maybe seven hours. Cause there's a few spots that aren't full of traffic. <laughs> You're like, well, where are all you people? If you could just fly right on over, remember we were going to have flying large, cars. That ain't going to happen yeah. with electricity. New large lead. expanses between cities where the only obstacles are all of the electric vehicles that ran out of power with no supercharger for 50 miles. And then they just sit there like, I don't know what's going on. Sit there waiting for a tow truck. Yeah. Look. Um, Let's see. And, uh, oh, throw, uh, here's a throwaway fact that I pulled out of the Telegraph article. They did not, uh, they did not cite this, and I could not find an article. But I just had to mention it because it's juicy and, and of course, reinforces my preconceived notions whether or not it's true. They said that Paris abandoned a plan to bring in 149 EV buses into their municipal bus system last year, because within a span of four months, two of them caught fire. Is that bad? Well, two out of 149 is statistically significant. Yeah, but a little, and, almost 1%. Yeah. Um, more than, yeah. Um, and then there was one other thing that I, this one I pulled uh, out of 1603.noagendanotes.com because it was a, a producer note sent to Adam for No Agenda and he read it on that show. And so if you listen to No Agenda, this is going to be a repeat. But this was important enough that I just wanted to read this. Uh, it has to do with the idea of Amazon wanting to switch their uh, environmentally destructive fleet of gas-powered package delivery vans uh, to something much more green and use all electric vehicles for all package deliveries. And... Here's, here's what the, the producer, uh, an anonymous producer said in this note that was published, and I hope they're okay with me using it because this was, this was great stuff. Since starting the use of EV chargers, manufactured primarily by Siemens, we have had six vehicle fires complete with thermal runaway. This is a statistical deviation from what we expected or were promised. This had a big impact on how and where we placed the charging lots. Could they be inside the building, close to the building, or charged at an off-site, unattended lot? All of these questions and more were considered based on what Rivian had told us when they sold us the contract. Amazon got hoodwinked into believing we could meet our aggressive goals for carbon reduction, but we ended up getting a series of problems we could have expected if we had taken off the green-colored glasses and asked tough questions expecting solid answers. And that pretty much nails what these corporations, the, every one of them that are driven by ESG have been infested 
by woke people who don't understand how to think, have never thought critically in their lives. Just know that whatever the cause of the moment is, we have to knee jerk jump on it. Oh, carbon is killing. EVs are the solution. Everybody says EVs are the solution. Let's just convert our whole fleet. And yep. where I deliver, I have been fortunate that nobody tried to convert our fleet into EVs because at the end of the day, I go to a fossil fuel pumping station <gasps> and put liquid fuel oh. into the van that, and then it's ready to go the next day. That's and horrible. not one of the vans that I have driven has caught fire. Nor been carjacked yet. Uh, no, but that's probably going to happen. <laughs> You're ready for it. <laughs> oh man, it is. The thing that people don't understand is one, the longevity. There's a lot of people that are still driving around in cars that are 20 plus years old. I am. My car is 20 plus years old. There's a lot of work vehicles that go even longer than that. The electric vehicles do not seem like they're going to have the same lifespan due to a variety of reasons. No, the average lifespan for, I mean, we've electric vehicles have now been around long enough for us to have both demonstrated and confirmed this electric vehicles today have a lifespan of around seven to nine years. And then they need the battery pack replaced if uh, of daily use. At which um, point you shorter, may as well just buy a new car. Shorter. If you're in a climate that has non-California weather. Yes. Oh yeah. Cold, bad, any salt, bad. So and living by the ocean, that's kind of a bitch for things that the, corrode and then catch on fire the, the resale value of electric vehicles is utter crap but for reasons already mentioned so yeah when you buy an electric vehicle you are paying for you're, you're leasing the thing for seven years for fifty sixty thousand dollars so the reality is if they were about a third of the cost of a gas vehicle it might make sense but they're way more but they're way more however there is hope for people buying gas powered. This one is an article I got from the Epoch Times. Oh, you know, you're is, getting the truth then. Is it Epoch or Epic? I've heard people say it both ways. I always said Epoch. I've always said Epoch, but then again, I can barely handle English. That's fair. And honestly, English isn't a priority here on this show. This is true. Um, the Epoch Times, of course, they're they're awesome at, at making uh controversial headlines uh whether you buy an ev or not you will still pay for it study says and i i got this from there but uh i also went to the actual study they're citing which is from the texas public policy foundation also a slightly biased place but given how little actual research is being done into this i will take biased over over the other side who is doing absolutely no research onto the actual costs of these things. The, according to the Texas Public Policy Foundation, the actual cost of EVs is hidden by subsidies, money transfers, and other expenses that are being passed on to Americans who don't own EVs. Right. Yeah. Any uh, government subsidy you're paying their for estimate, somewhere. Their estimate, and you can scream that this is biased all the time, but show me anybody doing this kind of study on the other side and I will start balancing them. According to this, if these subsidies were rolled into the retail price of the car, instead of being socialized to the rest of us, then the average EV would cost $101,000. Oh, that's nothing. 
The current average instead is 53,000, which leaves a $48,000 gap, which is paid for by Americans who cannot afford electric vehicles, uh, mostly via road maintenance taxes, utility taxes, gas taxes, income taxes uh, via federal and state rebates. Uh, as I was digging in, um, the EPA has a couple standards called the greenhouse gas and the corporate average fuel economy standards uh, that apply to uh, corporate fleets and also apply to autom automobile makers. Uh, these involve EPA fees that are levied directly against automakers who don't meet emission standards and then are paid to car makers who do. But all of these standards measure emissions only at the tailpipe. Well, right. where are all the emissions for the power that goes into an electric vehicle? Oh, Probably. they're all at the coal plant. Right, right, right. Exactly. Which is not measured. Nope. So uh, the concept of your what's clean energy, it all depends where that electric is being put into uh, into being. But this is the same kind of thing that we talked about when I was getting a new air conditioner for the house. The rebates for that are gone. They'll give you big rebates for a heat pump where it don't you know what they're doing. You know the technology they're pushing. They're also doing the same thing with furnaces. Oh, you want a big, bad gas furnace? Nope, nope, no rebates. But if you want a heat pump, get one of those heat pumps. The government will give you a lot of money. Oh, yeah. That's it's, it's, it's using using government to bludgeon people into doing what some activist wants. Yeah, that, that, and that then pretty much the, is par for the course. Then you'll freeze to death because so, you're like, well, the thing doesn't produce enough heat or it doesn't cool down enough in the summer. Oops. So the very fact that the EPA effectively forces any company that sells gas vehicles to give money to companies that sell electric vehicles means that in a, a almost direct way, uh, anybody who's buying gas cars are subsidizing EVs directly there. But it gets worse. Many states base their road maintenance fees and taxes on the EPA measurements, which again, only measure emissions from gasoline cars at the tailpipe. There, the, the measurements have not been updated in order to account for how EVs, you know, completely differently cause wear and tear on roads and everything. Right. So again, road maintenance budgets, uh, many other states pay for road maintenance. Literally, the road maintenance budget is caused by a gas tax. You need more road maintenance, you raise the gas tax. EVs don't pay for gas. There's Ooh. no similar tax on grid power that people put into their. Anyway, there so, will be, or as we've talked about, I, the next thing will be, oh, you have to submit your odometer every month or every year so you can pay for how many miles you've driven. That only goes into effect once they feel like they have sufficiently destroyed the entire economy for gas powered. And once everybody is locked into electric powered cars, then they're going to come out and the governments are going to say, oh, but all of our gas tax revenue is gone. We need to crank up the, the requirement on electric car. Like when Tesla first came out, do you remember the promise? The first few Teslas off the line, they said, you will get unlimited free charging forever. Right. That's a great incentive. Funny how that vanished as soon as people started using it. Because you're going to save the planet. So then. There's the grid. And again, via the Texas Public Policy Foundation, um, EV owners do pay per kilowatt hours in theory. I say in theory because the 
they don't, you know, electric companies don't always try check the meters every single day. Um, well, if it's, you have a smart grid, they do. Well, the, the smart meters are the best way to go. Of course, the, you know, bonus points, if they're smart meters that allow them to remotely shut off your power. Right. If you say the wrong thing on social media. Right. But. Well, you don't want to use too much power when there is a, uh, when they need to limit that. So when you wake up in the morning and your car hasn't been charged, I mean, I hope your boss or, understands. Or when you wake up in the morning and your car discharged overnight because right. the power company decided to set up a brownout two cities away. Right. Yeah. Well, you need to borrow your, uh, the power from your vehicle because your vehicle can yeah. power the rest of the world. Yeah, exactly. Using up one of your limited charge discharge cycles. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but People don't think about that anymore. We used to with laptops and cell phones. You knew. We talked about it on this show. Of course. Yeah. yeah okay. I think because that's part of uh, what we do. We're nerds. And it's like these things don't last forever. And you see that. Well, hey, my battery on my phone that used to last 24 hours is only lasting 20 hours now. Why? Battery capacity, bitch. That's why. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Like uh, if you've ever used a five-year-old phone and switched to a new phone, you're like, oh my God, this thing has so much more battery power. It's not because the new technology is better. It's because you haven't been using it for five years. Yep. All those cycles uh, running it down. That the, And, the, and did you the, know it wasn't Gatorade? That's the biggest thing with this electrical stuff is it's not magic. It is still a resource. You are still using resources you're just changing to something different while being told that it's somehow better when the bottom line is as of this point it is not now if somebody could figure out how to take the battery out of what's in a cell phone or laptop today and run a car then you got something well you'd need a lot of cell phone batteries to run a car in fact that's sort of what automobile batteries are is hundreds and hundreds of cell phone batteries beefed up and strapped together. But I'm just mean like that size with a few that, you know, the, the amount of resources you need to oh, yeah. make it. Well, you know, here's a crazy idea. Let's research into methods of moving a car around, which are more energy dense than anything, any electric batteries that we have. Have people Perhaps, push them. And, you know, let's, let's imagine the ideal form of energy for a car. It would be like a battery, but it would be easily replaceable um, it would have very high energy density and it would be uh, really easy to switch out and repower your car on the go. Maybe as easy as like putting a, a hose into a socket and pumping some liquid or something. Ooh, like Imagine gas. if we had a technology like that. Gasoline. Oh, no, 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 no. Let's not go crazy. Oh, OK. That's bad for the environment. Yeah, burning that gas. Not good. Not so, good. Uh, EV owners do pay the utilities for the per kilowatt hour usually, but what EV owners don't tend to pay is when a utility company, because of higher demand, because of widespread EV use has to upgrade their lines, upgrade their power plants, build new power plants, upgrade their substations. When they do that, they almost always charge subscribers across the board and not just EV owners because that's impossible to measure really. So who pays then when EVs require a new $100 million power plant? Well, everybody does, including the gas-powered vehicles. The Texas Public Policy Foundation estimates, and I have no idea where they got this estimate, but why not? They did, they did science on it, they, uh, allegedly. 
um, $11,000 per electric vehicle added to the grid in fixed utility capital costs that are being, instead of being charged to the electric vehicle owner, are being distributed evenly to everyone who uses electricity. So you use electricity, you are connected to their grid, you are sharing in the $11,000 in capital costs incurred by the utility every time your neighbor buys an EV. That's part of that subsidy that, that they say, you know, the reason why EV prices do not reflect the cost of making and using these vehicles. Uh, some people, now, they do mention a couple of utility companies, one in San Diego, for example, are charging people higher rates if they have EV hookups in order to compensate for the increased demand and uh, wear and tear on the grid. I don't know how widespread that's going to get. It feels like, you know, the greenies should be stopping that immediately. Can't you possibly, think so. We can't possibly have the people who are causing the cost to be the one paying it. No, isn't that exactly what they'd like? So according to the report, uh, quote, EV advocates claim that the cost of electricity for EV owners is equal to a buck 21 per gallon of gasoline. This stat blew me away. Adding the costs of the subsidies to the true cost of fueling an electric vehicle would equate to an EV owner paying an equivalent of $17.33 per gallon of gasoline <laughs> if they were paying the true cost of operating the car. Wow. But it's saving the planet, right? No. No? No, I don't believe it is. First Damn of all, it. the planet's not in any fucking danger. Yeah, it is from all these people that have Teslas. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Where does global warming come from? How about Tesla fires? <laughs> there you go. That's putting a lot of heat into the atmosphere. Uh, the other thing, just because you need a little bit of wokeness that the Epoch Times dropped in, you know, a little bit of equity in, in your story. Uh, the, uh, they pointed out the average income of an electric vehicle buyer. Would you like to guess? I don't even want to. No, you really wouldn't. Uh, the, uh, just for reference, the median income in the United States is 75,000, which means that by podcasting, we are doing the wrong fucking thing. I know. We're not, we, we uh, can't even be median. Come on. No, not even close. The average income of, of an EV buyer is 150,000 a year. Now I see it, why I don't, I don't have an EV. I don't think it should be a surprise to anybody to realize that electric vehicles are disproportionately bought by wealthier people. They, you know, they have more disposable income. They don't worry about their paycheck. The, you know, the, the most expensive vehicle on the road to operate these days is a grocery cart, but they're not worried about putting groceries on their table so they can go out and buy a new car every seven years because the battery exploded. Great. They're the ones, the, the wealthy are the ones who are buying electric vehicles and by socializing the true cost of the electric vehicles, that cost of every EV is being pushed uh, onto people who can't afford electric vehicles. So the $48,000 per vehicle represents what the Epoch Times referred to as a substantial wealth transfer from people who can't afford EVs to the wealthy who can. Now, if you have woke values and believe in equity and are actually true to your values, that should infuriate you. Yeah. And I think everybody listening, DigiGuru, knows that batteries do not provide energy. They just store energy made somewhere else. And they probably lose, what, about 10%, yes. even just transferring from one yes, to they, the battery. 
they filter energy produced in a coal or natural gas plant, and they use that to fuel the fire on the freeway that the Tesla becomes. But see, in the winter, a nice Tesla fire, as long as you keep some marshmallows, maybe some s'more making materials in your car. You know, believe it or not, I don't like my s'mores with that taste of rare earth. Uh Uh-oh. Why? The phone. People call me. Nobody ever calls you. Uh, scammers call me all the goddamn time. You don't like the lithium taste in your marshmallows. I don't like the, the rare earth mineral taste in my food. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just something about the cancer, the lung cancer that it gives me three years later. Yeah. It but I mean, you're going to get cancer anyway, right? I mean, well, it, if I had got jabbed, I'd already have it. You could have it twice. It could. It could be true. Actually, why not? I mean, that sounds like a lot of fun. And I, I will point out, I was slightly off. With the cannonball run, the record set in October 2021, 25 hours and 39 minutes. So it takes an hour and a half more than a day to get from from coast to coast. They averaged 110 miles an hour for the whole 2,906 mile journey between New York City's Red Ball Garage to the Portofino Hotel in Redondo Beach, California. Like that's that's hardcore. 25 hours, 39 minutes. I think the best I ever did was Seattle to Boise in nine hours. That's still pretty good. That was, I I found the absolute trick to taking a really long road trip with a minimum, like get super drunk the previous night so that you are crazy dehydrated. I did that nine hours without still much as stopping to pee. So that way you don't have to. That's a good idea. Yeah. Um, Now I felt fantastic the whole trip, of course. Sure. Oh, what else do I have to pile on EVs? Uh, here's a short one. The EULA that you have to sign if you are going to purchase a Cybertruck from Tesla. Uh, among other things, you agree not to sell it within the first year. And if you do decide to sell it, you know, right of first sale, this whole I bought it, therefore I own it and could do what the hell I want. Uh, one of the things you sign when you buy it is that if you do sell it within the first year, then quote, Tesla may seek injunctive relief to prevent the transfer of title of the vehicle or demand liquidated, liquidated damages from you and the amount of $50,000 or the greater of the value or, or the value received as consideration for sale, the sale price, whichever is greater. I don't Tesla understand. may also refuse to sell you future vehicles. I, so. I- so you don't, you buy the car. If you buy, you walk into a Tesla dealer, you give them cash. You've got the cash. You're just giving, yeah. I'm buying it. And then a month later, you're like, I want to sell this vehicle. Yeah, a month later, you're like, this thing is a piece of crap. It doesn't tow for shit. It, uh, you know, it, it doesn't take a charge. It caught fire in my garage. And also I wanted a different truck. You can't sell it or Tesla will, you know, if, if you sell it for, uh, you know, $60,000 or whatever to somebody else, Tesla will demand liquidated damages from you of either how much you sold it for or 50,000, whichever is greater. Oh, that's totally reasonable. Uh huh. Um, and by the way, you can, of course, ask Tesla for uh, if you have what Tesla deems is a quote, good reason, then Tesla may for not wanting the car anymore. Tesla may agree to buy it back themselves Ooh. at the original price minus quote, reasonable wear and tear the cost to repair to Tesla's used vehicle, cosmetic and mechanical standards and 25 cents per mile on the odometer. You can't sell it to a third party. 
But if you make the plea, Tesla may, if they're feeling benevolent, choose to buy it back at a discounted price from what you paid. This does not sound like a free society anymore where you can buy and sell things at will. Well, what you have is the ability to not purchase things from Tesla, which is the one I'm exercising. But there are still, you know, Tesla pretty much operates on the the number of people out there who are too stupid to read a EULA and are just so excited to see all of Tesla's marketing and how they're saving the planet because it's an electric vehicle. And, and look, it has all the same apps as my smartphone built into the car. And it tells Tesla everywhere that I go, which they share with law enforcement. And who doesn't like that? They share that with law enforcement. The phone companies give all the phone information to law enforcement. It's it's not just law enforcement, but yeah. Big brother is here. And, oh, you know, every time I say law enforcement, there's that one person out there who's like, well, if you've got nothing to hide, well, okay. That seems to, that argument didn't really fly when law enforcement were generally benevolent and mostly neutral and only enforcing laws. But now that law enforcement really means enforcing whatever the current political regime in progress, whatever political reasons they have and law enforcement at the national level, at least is being actively wielded against people who are on the wrong political side from the current administration. Saying that data will be shared with law enforcement is basically saying that you are going to be persecuted by your political enemies. And that's happening every day. All of the damn time. I had a PC mag Uh, story that was about the anti-discrimination broadband rules. uh Oh, oh, I think I had this. Go on, please. I just like that the headline was, despite GOP protests, FTC (laughs) adopts anti-discrimination broadband rules rules yeah and, yeah because uh, gop protests gob gob despite gob yes. protests everybody's worried about what gob is gonna say about this they should be the question is really does anybody wake up in the morning and think that isps are discriminating against people because of their ethnicity or religion did that ever even come into your thinking i i don't think so the uh, the other part which I think they will be able to find instances of whether or not it's actually happening is if you do anything that affects a generally rich area versus differently than a generally poor area or a generally white area, any differently than a generally ethnic area. I think what it comes down to is all the green. I think you're right with that, which is, are they going to run the super high speed lines into a neighborhood that people aren't buying high speed? I I mean, under these rules, the simple fact is if you roll out to one neighborhood and you don't roll out to every other neighborhood at exactly the same moment, which they can't, which they can't, it's kind of physically impossible. uh, If, but if at any point you offer a higher speed to one neighborhood before another, then that can be recognized as discrimination. Will it? Probably not in most cases. But of course, the decision is going to be made by FCC regulators who are political appointees and and bureaucrats who follow whatever the political establishment wants. And so, again, we're back to will people be punished for 
rolling out to the neighbor. Will an ISP be punished for rolling out to the neighborhood that has a lot higher plans and therefore you're going to get a lot more money by rolling out to this one, money that you can then put into rolling out to the less profitable neighborhood. But because the less profitable neighborhood has more people of a different skin color, right now the FCC is going to come down and say, you're, you're discriminating. Here's a big fine. Except the beautiful thing I believe in this case is a vast majority of the people who don't have the broadband access are the white people out in rural areas. It's not in the main cities. This is not, yeah, but they're in, not people. It's true. We can't count them as real people. No, no. It, it, white people who vote Republican aren't people. It's easy to wire up the downtown areas of places like Chicago Certainly. or Seattle. It's uh, getting it out into the rural areas. That's the rough part. So I got this one from Engadget. I don't know where you got yours, but uh, the FCC new rules, which, by the way, uh, your your comment about despite Republican protest, you know what the Republican protests were? The vote was 3-2 along party lines. How horrible. Yeah, those bastards. How dare they vote? How dare they vote differently than we do? Yeah. The new the FCC will now investigate instances of, quote, digital discrimination. They can penalize ISPs for doing anything that affects a poor area differently from a rich one, even if it's not intentional. They do not have to find intent. Uh, So if 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 Comcast or Spectrum goes out and uh, hooks up one neighborhood without hooking up the other one at the same time, then that could be digital discrimination and the FCC could do them down again. They probably won't unless they have a political reason to do so. Uh, the FCC quote, will take into account any technical and economic challenges. Yeah, I'm sure they will. The judge, jury and executioner. Well, this is and the gadget problem. is all for this, by the way. Well, of course, of course, but the, I look at this and I'm like, this is Harrison Bergeron. Yeah. Well, and uh, like, like every forced equality of outcome policy, it makes it'll make it'll ultimately result in ISBs being slower, shittier service, more expensive. You know, the usual. Right. Because you can't afford you can't give some people something you can't give other people. And when all of these new upgrades come through and the the argument can already be made that most people already have fast enough service available to them. Now, can they afford it? I don't know. That would be a different argument, but most people have fast enough service available to them to do what they need to do. My fiber at 35 megabit uh, is uh, pathetically slow compared to what a lot of people think they want these days, but you know what? It's enough to do a podcast. (laughs) It's enough to do a podcast. It's enough to stream. I think it's even enough to stream at 4k, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's enough to stream all of those movies that I may or may not have been paying for. Exactly. So thank you, Karma King. What would you need more for? But the I, way the system works. Well, if if everything in my house was an IoT device constantly sending packets, I'd need more for that. Oh, well, true. Because you're always going to have to keep if, uh, getting. If I were running with. 35 apps on my phone that were lighting up the Wi-Fi all the time, then I might need more for that. But this has <laughs> always been the way it is. Chicago it, is not. We we have Xfinity. Chicago is never the first area to get the new speeds, including right now in Atlanta is where they're testing the new Doxis 4 plan that uh, Comcast is coming up with, which will be up to two gig symmetrical, which will be beautiful over existing lines, which a few years ago, people would have sworn that wasn't even possible. But this... (laughs) 
it's first available now in Atlanta. It's not here in Chicago, so I guess I should file some kind of lawsuit with the FCC that Comcast is offering this. Uh, they're saying I think the, our the, our upload is still pathetic on the Comcast line, and it's enough. <laughs> well, I think that's my upload. I think I've got one point like two or one point three gig down, and yeah, up is the same as yours. I think it's thirty five megabits yeah. per second in Which, the other direction. I mean, it's, it's enough. Now, the thing I like about my fiber connection and the reason I still use my, my pathetically slow 35 is because if, if the zombie apocalypse comes and all Comcast towers go down everywhere, then that one gigabit Comcast will be gone. And I guarantee you this fiber company will still be giving me 35 symmetrical. I won't have any power. I won't have anything that will be able to connect to it. And it will still be able to send me that. It's true. There, there will be no infrastructure. The, the Puget Sound could have a mega earthquake and drop into the ocean and the house isn't here. And somehow they'll still be providing 35 symmetric. Hey, they're saying this is going to be 55 bucks a month for symmetrical 300 megabits per second. That's not bad. Well, that was, that's about what I'm paying for my fiber. So, yeah. Yeah, that's about I what want. I On the super duper deal that uh, Xfinity gave me, that's what I've been paying for the gig. The Two gig both ways is going to be about 115 bucks, which still doesn't seem bad when you're getting that uh, upload bandwidth, which is something I've never had is, as you have with the fiber, don't have the concurrent. You don't have the matching upload, symmetrical upload and download. So, you know, another thing that the FCC decided in that same meeting when they voted three to two along party lines, no more nudity uh, on Netflix. I, uh, oh, that would be disappointing. I didn't hear about that one. <laughs> Try to, yeah, try to, just, no. yeah, no. Uh, they are, uh, let's see, there are two different, two other rules that were in the same package. One was uh, try to protect against SIM swapping scams. Uh, wireless yeah, well, providers are now going to be required to notify customers when a re- some, they get a request to port out their number. Isn't How that was a, that not already happening? I know. That was always been my question. Like, wait, you're not. Like, Wait, what? <laughs> You're just taking the number and moving it to a different phone without verifying with the existing yeah, w- customer. W- without asking me. You're taking my number and moving it. Like, how? I, I, I get, okay, great. That That's now a new rule. So the FCC, major credit for stopping the scams. I, you know, if you think there's a chance in hell it stops the scams, but how is that not happening already? Uh, and then the other thing that they did is uh, they are uh, forming a group to look into how to crack down on AI doing robocalls. Yeah, that was Which one my of the first top thought stories was, again on Fox News on the AI section that the robocallers are confusing old people and stealing their money. Yes. But my first thought when I looked into this and I read, I've, I've read plenty of AI articles, so many that I didn't want to bring AI to this show, uh, was everything about this. Oh, it's terrible. AI is scamming people. AI is convincing old people to give up their savings. AI is like, you know, and now the FCC is is forming a group to look into how to prevent AI from robocalling. But you can't. Human generated robocalls are still cool, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Hello, I am. AI calling is from not India. doing anything that humans haven't been doing forever. Hello, I, I thought maybe we just Microsoft. stop all robocalls. I am Microsoft support. I have a virus that is found on your computer. Now I will have to take yeah. your money. Yeah, that's only legal if there's a real person scamming you out of your life savings. Yes, if it's an AI. And, and no no offense meant by my really bad Indian accent. 
It is not very I, good. I, I did. I totally meant offense. Oh, you that. took total offense at Mike Hexen? Why are you so rude to take offense? Okay, I'm going to keep railing on fucking Tesla because... Because <laughs> you enjoy it? I, and because I found a lot of goddamn Tesla stories, and I'm on a roll here. Uh, Ars Technica had a story about a dude whose Tesla was in a particularly bad wreck, and it was... It was uh, Totaled by the insurance company, not a surprise. Yeah, I was going to ask uh, though, what is what is that? What is a totally bad wreck for a Tesla? Because you've already explained uh, he got to sideswiped, us. He got sideswiped, went into a guardrail, and all four, all the body panels on all four sides of the car were wrinkled. And uh, when I was growing up, what that means is you take a hammer, you pound out the dents, you respray the paint, and then the thing's good to go. Yeah, but, but a Tesla, uh, like a bird hits the windshield, you're this done. Was, yeah, you hit a pothole, you're done. Done, yeah. Uh, this had, quote, possible battery damage. And uh, the the comment from the owner was, yeah, I knew that it was totaled because uh, with possible battery damage, no repair shop would put someone in that level of danger. Uh, or would they? How are these things legal on the road if if you bump a guardrail and now it's too dangerous for someone to work on? Yeah. Well, the story... And Ars Technica thought this was just the coolest thing ever. Months later, uh, the owner who had swapped out his car, probably bought a new Tesla. Uh, he got a ping on his phone that said, your car needs an update. He looks in and he got a bunch of pulled up stats on the car and the car had about 200 more miles on it. Um, it had a GPS ping and a drive history in Eastern Ukraine. Um, ultimately, uh, you know, Ars Technica did a bunch of research and found out that a salvage company had bought the totaled car, fixed and refurbished it and resold it to an IT worker in Ukraine for $55,000, which by the way, is basically the price of a new Tesla. And the new guy was driving it around and uh, Ars Technica, pro, you know, provided this as a, Hey, look. Look at renewable. Look how even wasted cars are not going to waste because the people in Europe have such lower standards. They're right. willing to take our our crappy cars that have been totaled that no repair shop would ever work on. Right. Our okay, dangerous you know, cars that may explode upon a moment's notice. But that wasn't my takeaway. My takeaway was how fucking creepy is it that the Tesla company is still sending Drive GPS data, trip data, uh, uh, mileage, all of these stats on the vehicle to the old owner of the vehicle, uh, recent black box data, you know, exact GPS, sending it to the wrong person. This is creepy as shit. Like if I were the guy who bought it in Ukraine and found out that every single place I've ever driven and all the black box data on my car and all of the updates are being sent to some dude in California. <laughs> Some guy named Biden. Hunter I, that, Biden. That was the part that I was like, Ars Technica didn't even acknowledge that, hey, this is, might be like, this is a, a data privacy issue. No, but they don't want you to have any data privacy anymore. Every, yeah, all the I guess, data should be I guess free. people in Ukraine don't care about their data being leaked like Who people cares in America do. Who sees where their car is? It's great. You're not hiding anything, are you? Uh, yeah. What are you, a cop? I might be. <laughs> Welcome to the internet. We're uh, watching everything okay. you do. Okay, I got I got one more. I'm I'm, I'm just gonna throw out one more. I'm I'm on a roll. Okay, butter. Um, what? Okay, butter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I 
Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. I'm, you can call you Butter because he's on a roll. You never heard that? You can call him Butter? No, no. Because he's on a roll? I have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, tomorrow, Thanksgiving, people will be having rolls. They'll be putting butter around them. It, it, the more you explain it, the less it makes sense. <laughs> this is what we do. This is just a service we provide. I like okay. see Brooklyn's like, I miss grumpy old Ben's while he's listening to grumpy old Ben's. He said he misses grumpy old Ben's. I, we have that effect on people. They're like we're so glad you're back, but why? Okay. So this is a look into Tesla. Oh, as you may know, their marketing, they are a very, very green company. And one of the things that they have is uh, Elon Musk made a promise and you know, he, fulfills all of his promises. He's never gone back on one where all of the charging stations that Tesla puts out are going to be a hundred percent green renewable energy. And they even put out uh, one of their, their showroom supercharging stations is one called Harris ranch, which is on I five near Bakersfield, California, uh, Coalinga, California actually uh, has 98 Tesla charging bays. Well, not just Tesla these days, but EV charging bays using the Tesla standard. And right next to it, they've got a large field of solar panels, very visible, very obvious. The implication and clearly in a marketing move is that all of these cars, almost a hundred cars can charge simultaneously on one acre of solar panels. That would make sense. And they were promising in that, uh, all superchargers would be 100% solar by 2027. Um, this article I got from Cowboy State Daily, which just by that name alone, you know, this guy's probably not Californian. Um, started out doing a little bit of napkin math. Uh, a supercharger, uh, 250 kilowatts. That's the, the level two charging from a Tesla supercharger. Assume some of the inefficiencies. Let's... You know, let's call it, it takes 300 kilowatts per stall for a car that is actively charging. Um, that means that all 98 stalls, Harris Ranch charging uses about 30 megawatts, which is a non-trivial amount of power. Um, also, by the way, they need, you know, that, that would only work during the day. Uh, no charging at night. Screw you. Just stay at, on the side of the freeway overnight. Whatever. Solar. Uh, again, pulling some stats from Wikipedia, whatever articles I could come up with. Solar takes about 10 acres per megawatt for a solar farm. If, if you just mar if you just paper an entire land area with solar power at the latitude of California, you can get one megawatt out of a solar farm with about 10 acres of solar panels. Now, this Harris Ranch has an acre, maybe two next to it, which is their shell case says, Hey, look, solar is charging everything. Um, well, an acre of solar panels will do a 10th of a megawatt. That's one 300th of what you'd need to charge all 98 stalls. Um, half of that because nighttime, well, um, yeah, because there's no sun, take, no power. It would take in order to actually charge Harris ranch, use the supercharger to its full capacity it would take about or 300 acres of solar panels and about half a square mile, or which is about a half a square mile of solar panels. 
And how many that do is they a have? lot of farmland converted to this thing. Oh, and by the way, it would also take 24-7 sunshine, of course. And how many do they have? They have uh, about an acre next to the charging station. So that's less so, than what they would need. The reporter, uh, a guy. Uh, oh, and uh, by the way, uh, uh, also finishing the napkin math. According to the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, solar farms, which are being built all over the place, and so we've got a lot of data, as of September 2023, cost about $1.06 per watt uh, in capital expenditures to build. So a 30 megawatt would cost $300 million-ish, plus the cost of land right next to uh, I-5. So that is what it would take to... To, to take this Harris Ranch solar charging station and make it fully electric or fully solar. Okay. Well, the reporter from this story, uh, a guy whose pen name is Edward Niedermeyer, and for his sake, I hope that's not his real name, drove out to Harris Ranch and uh, found, initially found no solar panels at all. Apparently the, the panels have been added later or something. Um, but digging around, trying to figure out how the hell these things get power, because 30 megawatts of grid power doesn't just appear. You don't pull that in on the lines that you see going down a county road. Right. Um, he did, however, locate behind a nearby shell station hidden from both the freeway and from the supercharger parking lot. A large bank of dedicated diesel generators <laughs> running a very thick power line from there toward the supercharging parking station. Yeah, but see, diesel works. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, the, the diesel generators are apparently used to augment power from the grid. And so if you right, only have augment. a few cars, Whether you know, if you only have a few cars charging, the grid's probably plenty. If you have 30 or 50 or, uh, or 98 cars, then you probably have more. But he called this out and he, he had published this report on some site and uh, ended up getting reports from other people saying there were similar stories in Arizona, in Texas, uh, an energy analysis, David Blockman, I wrote these notes down a while ago, uh, discovered uh, diesel generators behind a Whole Foods in Houston that was uh, Whole Foods was marketing all solar uh, you know, electric power from whatever. Um, another person discovered that one of the mega supercharging stations in BFE in Arizona had uh, a whole lot of diesel generators uh, that were charging it because they had they couldn't find any grid lines. Um, they like there were no lines running along the freeway. They didn't have any lines running in, so it was all diesel, unless unless they buried miles and miles of line. But that doesn't make any sense. So. Basically, stories coming in from all over the place about these highway charging stations that are to help you with your green car that have huge diesel tanks and huge diesel generators in order to run it. So now we're right back to what is the emissions required to run these cars? Well, they don't have a tailpipe, but maybe if the EPA started measuring the emissions at the diesel generator at the supercharging station, then we might get a, a better idea of what they're actually doing in order to drive these cars. Right. Rather than to be like, oh, well, look, there's this little solar panel right next. It's all green. Nope. It and uh, the two articles I found on the Harris Ranch 
Uh, both F SF Gate and Cowboy State Daily both said that they asked uh, uh, specifically what percentage is supplied by the grid, what percentage is supplied by diesel, and what percentage is supplied by solar. Tesla did not respond. So surprising. No, no surprise there. There's no doubt. There is no doubt that, as John C. Dvorak would say, it's a scam. A it's lot a of scam. this is all uh, a scam. It's all a scam. And then you look where the money's going. You look at why making people jump through hoops to have vehicles that will not drive as far on a tank of whatever you're using or a battery of whatever you're using can't be repaired. Way too expensive to insure. And, and, and every time you get some bureaucrat saying, well, we're only mandating the end of gas powered cars because that will incentivize people to improve their technology so that they're good enough. And of course, no matter what kind of government, government action cannot actually change the laws of physics or make people invent things faster. That doesn't work that way. That's the scam. Absolutely. It's all I mean, a scam. It's like, do not buy an electric car. A lot of electric vehicle manufacturers right now, at least the news I've been seeing over the past few weeks are like, yeah, this isn't working. We have well, to start cutting back because of the incentive programs by the EPA. There are a lot, a lot of vehicle manufacturers are trying to switch out and make it. So, oh yeah, 50% of all the vehicles we sell, 60% of all the vehicles we sell are going to be electric. People aren't buying them. That's an issue. And, and, and you know, electric cars are not completely worthless. I get, the, I get this shit from, well, uh, from my brother, among other things, because he, because well, he bought one. Well, he does have one. And for what he used, his family owns three vehicles. Two of them are powered by gas. The one that he uses to commute day in and day out is electric. He charges it overnight. He commutes to work. He comes back. That is a great scenario for EVs. And it, in fact, it is the scenario that totally works in your 15-minute city. Slave, stay where you are. You only need to go a short distance. You need to go daily. You need to park at home and charge at home every day. That 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 works. That is how electric vehicles shine. They are a great commuter vehicle. They are a great puttering around. They're great for going to the grocery store. They are utter shit at road trips. They are utter shit if they're your only car. Does does Bemlet feel like he's saving the planet, or did he just want to get a little? Uh, no, he was little... saving some money. Ah, okay. He, he would. Honestly, his reasons for it were he recognized the crazy rebates and was like, well, uh, you know, I don't have he, he doesn't make 150 K a year. At least I don't think so. Not knowing what his job is. Well, the new modeling uh, on the side, his own, I don't know how much his only fans brings in, but we can ask him sometime. But what I do know is uh, he recognized the climate of, uh, hey, these things are being crazy subsidized and I can get one. And put all of the costs onto the gas-powered vehicle owners, and I, I, I cannot blame somebody for taking advantage of the corrupt system. All of my blame I put on the corrupt system, the 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 woke activist-driven politicians who think that somehow you can change physics by putting restrictions on things, who think you can change economics by adding incentives rather than just creating perverse incentives and screwing everything up. I can't really blame the people who know their use case, know their limits and say, I'm going to take advantage of this while it lasts. Yeah. Use the loopholes. If you can use them to your advantage. 
the way it works. I'm disappointed that I didn't jump in while the loopholes were huge, but get in on the electric vehicle train. Well, you'll be happier when the car lights on fire and it burns everything down around it. I, you know, I'm not sure that I would be pleased if, if my car burned my house down. No, I don't think I would even be pleased if my car, if, if Bemlet's car burned his house down. No, that would be bad. I mean, he would certainly not enjoy it. And I would have to listen to the whining. Oh, my family's homeless. And who wants that? And you, knowing you, you'd be like, you bought the electric car. Yeah. He'd be like, I need a place to stay. And I'm like, um, well, I've got a garage. <laughs> well, you could stay you, in your electric. You can, you, no, you can the park your. You can park your non-EV in my driveway. Yeah, I was going to say the correct answer would have been, well, you could sleep in your electric vehicle. Oh, wait, no, you can't. It burns. Well, it's nice and warm. Yeah, it would be very warm. <laughs> very warm indeed on those cold Seattle winters. Uh, actually, he has already been talking about selling it. Uh, he's had it for, I think, four years, and it's about halfway through its projected lifetime. And uh, Well, that would be the question I, then. Resale value. What can you get on that? Well, here's here's the the best scam. Um, the uh, he uh, he has a the Chevy EV and Chevy about uh, what a three four uh, sometime in what 2020 they had there was a big thing where they had the cars that uh, possible fire hazard. So they issued a recall where they were going to replace everybody's battery for free on the car if you had these model years. And uh, Bemlet has not had a fire, thank God. But he hasn't had, he hasn't taken advantage of that recall. Oh, He's like, I'm going to put a few more miles on this battery and then I'm going to use the recall to swap out at the company's expense for a brand new battery. And then I'm immediately going to sell the car with a brand new battery. That's genius. Yeah. That, that gives it resale value. Like I, some, some EV owners, their heads are screwed on. Right. It's kind of like, that's exactly what I did with the air fryer that we had for years and they came Oh No, some of them are starting fires. So we'll give you a brand new one. <laughs> I still got the brand new one sitting in a box. Like, Oh, the old one works fine. Oh yeah. Why not? It always, always helps to have a spare. Absolutely. I mean, just, just don't park your air fire in your garage with a next year electric vehicle. Anyway, <laughs> that's where things go you do horribly not wrong. Want those two communicating. No, you do not. But we are at that part of the show where we mentioned we are a value for value show, which means we put the shows out there. They're not behind a paywall and you get this, this week. We've been a value for hiatus show. This is true, which means we have uh, quite a few people to thank who were, who were donating during the hiatus, if you will, including our buddy, sir, Sean of the Allegheny Valley who came in with his monthly and it must happen just like right after the last show. Cause there's two monthly 25. So he's coming in at 50 today. And we Sexy. thank Sir Sean of the Allegheny Valley for that, for being the guy that Sir Sean is the patron saint of podcasters. And he streams Satoshi's too. seeing him stream on all the shows. So he's donating and he's streaming sats. And I like that Conchax now lets you switch back and forth. They did it without, uh, Without asking, this is just one of the sites that will allow you to keep track of your Satoshi. Something your, yours has been all clogged up again. Your has it? Yeah, your note has been clogged up. I noticed I was trying to give money to that folk hour thing, and you're on that, and it was like, no, Bemrose won't go in. And then CSB really? was trying to send, and he's like, no, money won't go to Bemrose. What's the matter with him? I'm like, there, that's too long. That's too long. With yeah, well, that, yeah, that's that's a little too much to. So you got to check your pipe. It, it looks like something's been going through, but yeah, not a lot. 
Uh, I noticed my channels are getting saturated again. The problem is that I receive more stats than I send out. Well, just send um, all your stats over to me then. I was thinking about it. And that would work. Send so it for random thoughts or plan. Uh, what I need to do is, is I need to go out with another round of begging for people to open fresh channels to me because my, uh, one of the, I, I had started a ring of fire with Sir Spencer and a few other people, which that I, sounds you know, dangerous. those are, well, those are actually, they're great ideas. Uh, is it they, an EV they get ring you, of fire? They get you two channels for the cost of one and they, no, no, it's not a Tesla ring of fire. <laughs> uh, but I've got, I got two channels on that one. One of them, the guy set some pretty high fees. So it was the last one to go. Um, but the other one is basically empty. Uh, all of the sats have shifted to one side because I, I don't send out nearly as many boosts as I get in. So that might be part of the problem. We the don't want your stats be that to I be, need a new machine for this. Too. Yeah, you don't want your stats to be kitty wumpus. And what was that noise that just sounded like an animal uh, coming after you? Oh, that, that might've been a cough. Okay. Like, what was that? It wasn't my cough. Oh, you know what it was? Uh, um, I have family in, in the house for Thanksgiving. In fact, she's listening to one half of our conversation right now. Well, that is the best part of the conversation. Uh, my, my side. Yeah. Now, so whenever this, I stop talking, she goes, oh, the, the show is, is stopping and silence to let it breathe. Is the she show finally over? <laughs> no, no, it's not. But you'll, you're, no your pipes will be wide open. He'll, we'll figure that one out. Okay. But Sir Sean, he is the guy. As is our buddy Blom. You remember Blom? He came in. With I do. It's been a while. 33, 33, I, not that long ago. Like the, the one a, which I thought was B10M. Yes, B10M, Blom. And he says, hey, Benz, here's the magic number times two. Don't spend it all on Taylor Swift merch. Hang in there, Bemrose. Now, that's awesome. Now, does that mean that he did he send one into grumpy old Benz and one into um, he maybe sent it into the other one? Or what's the magic number times two? It was 33, 33, or maybe it, it's 33.33. So that's times two. I was never very good at math. I, I, I literally can't math right now. Anastasia Treckles came in with two 1010s, which equals 2020. That's like 2020 vision. And that is very much appreciated. Monthly Progo with his $12 checks. I mean, I have to remember to put them into the bank. There was one that kind of got like misfiled and it was one of those, like it was over 90 days. So his bank's like, no, oh. I'm like, what you assholes. I'm oh, like, harsh. Yeah. Like Progo, what are you, what are you stopping payment for? He's like, I didn't stop no payment on nothing. Huh. I'm like, oh, it was me. I was an idiot. He's like, didn't well, you see I, it? I says, mean, to be honest, uh, if you even recognize or or use checks, you you're automatically a boomer. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, he doesn't see them because the bank just sends them out automatically. Yeah. Well, no, no, Progo's not a boomer. I'm saying you are right because I have to and put those in. And yeah, then I, 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 it's procrastination. And he's like, didn't yep. you see? It says you know, use it within 90 days. I'm like, I can barely see. Come on, man. <laughs> it ain't in Braille on the check. I'm going to file a lawsuit against whatever and let's bank be honest, that is. 90 days is a little different for in podcasting. Yes. 90 days in podcasting is like two days to the rest of the world. Yeah. It just, it's weird, but thank you Progo for supporting the show. Our buddy Srinivas Murti coming in with his 1001. That's monthly. Does your demon dragon of wow. Wow. Demon dragon of wow. Yeah. She's coming in with another 10. That was also a check. The post office box is still there. If anybody wants to use it, Brian Janak 
up in uh, Cheesehead Land. And I think it's 10. I said this the last time and I never did ask him because he has $20 that's over in our almost dead Patreon. Except I think he had doubled that up and said, give 10 to Larry because we don't have a Planet Rage Patreon. It's a very weird Uh keeping math in accounting system that we have here. But we'll figure either way. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting the show. Stevie also over on Patreon with five bucks and Sir Fudge Fountain still coming in with his 293. That is such a disturbing name to a sick mind like me. I know. And we've always been calling him by his real name. And I forgot for a while that I'm like, now I remember when he's our longest donating at a consistent $2.93. He's our longest donor. Yeah. Sir Fudge Fountain. And that's where the Fudge Fountain comes from. He's the longest guy. Yeah. And then we got Booster Grams. Not going to go any farther down that conversation. And this is these how these are separated. So some of these might actually uh, bring back up to a higher amount because Bitcoin is up. Uh, but so I don't know if you got this one then from Circus Media. He came in with 80,000 in 85 sats said boosting for more bends and of course boobs. Bembrose, you know, hope the job's getting easier. Darren, thanks for keeping the trolls rocking. Hope everyone is doing well. Thank you for your courage. And uh, thank you for your courage, Sir Cuss Media. If half your boost failed, it'll try it again. Just to Bemrose. Uh, we need you to get oh. a get Albi address. Maybe that's the answer. Okay. I, my last boost is uh, for Grumpy Old Ben's is 1018. So I think I've missed quite a bit. <laughs> I think maybe you got to open up those pipes. Sir Fudge Fountain can help you open up those pipes. Yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Now this is You're like, uh, I'd rather I, just I gotta, keep my pipes closed. Thank you very yeah, much. I think, I think I like my pipes the way they are. Yeah. Now this one, I'm just guessing was somebody's uh, phone or something that they didn't put in a username for because it's user three, two, seven, eight, two, eight, three, nine, eight, six, oh, five, five, seven, one, zero, who came in with 51,000 Satoshi. Oh, yeah. I remember him. <laughs> that just rolls right off the tongue. He says, or she says, or they says, or whatever they are says, I would order way more stuff from Amazon if Sir Bemrose was my delivery guy. <laughs> well, how would you know? Yeah. Order, yes. Receive, we'll see. Right, that would be different. <laughs> I like to give really bad advice. Gene over on the Unrelenting Show gets very agitated when I tell people to order his ponchos on Amazon and then return uh, them. I, I, uh, yeah, but let's, I mean, let's be fair here. Gene just gets really agitated. True. Anytime he talks to me, that's the whole joy. It just gets agitated. That, I think that's why you do a show. Uh-huh. He's like, I'm not pissed off enough. He's like, you know what happens when people return things, right? I'm like, yes, they take the money away from you and you never see the product again. <laughs> like That's exactly how it works. Yes, I yeah. understand, which is why I highly recommend. Hey, they give you until January 31st to return it. So buy those ponchos, enjoy those ponchos, then return those ponchos on January 30th. It's a great system. Uh, yeah, where, there's a thing called wear and tear. Uh-huh. That's where Gene points out that he's already losing money on every order, which I say is a great business to be in. We're losing money I, on every order. Losing money is a great business to be in. Is that what you're suggesting? Yes. Hence podcasting. Uh, yeah, that's why we podcast. Exactly. Anonymous just came in with 33,333 sats and says, come back karma. So thank you, Anonymous. Uh, Boobery, as we mentioned at the start of the show with the 17,776 says, what are y'all live? 
there's really been way fewer of those than I would have thought. And there were 78 people in the troll room. So way fewer going, what, this is live? And that, that's like, what, wait, Memrose is delivering weed? No, that's only on the side. You have to order the Amazon package with the special Bemrose seasoning. Ew. <laughs> so you're taking that into a different place, too. Our buddy comic strip blogger who noticed your pipes were all clogged up came in with 14,000 Satoshis. And um, I have to read this in his voice. Let me get into character, get into character, get into character. Roger Roundy, it's cunty cunt for blocking me. And that is. And, and, and this is the right place to complain about it. That of course it is. Where else would you? Here's what then happens is he will take this clip and he will post it onto no agenda social and onto Twitter. And he will ask people to tag Roger Roundy. So he gets the message. It's a very straightforward way to get a point across. Uh, I mean, not for me. <laughs> it's the, it's it, the way it, of telling, CSB. I'm just saying, telling me to go on Twitter and do anything is it, it, you're just not your message. Not going through. No agenda social too, though. He's double. He's double pronging. Oh, yeah. Double pronging it. Phoenix. I thought he was still pissed at me because I don't follow him. Like yeah, he won't follow yes. me. He's. Yes. He's followed don't me follow and unfollowed back. me multiple times on NAS yes. because I don't follow back. You know, he doesn't follow anybody back. Did you ever see? I mean, Bembrose follows nearly nobody. Nearly. I, well, I do follow. Here's I, I know this is absolutely crazy and I'm totally using social media wrong. But here's how I decide who to follow. Whose content do I want clogging up my home timeline? Yeah. Did you ever see CSB's the little drawings? They are hilarious. I do. I like the little drawings. It just, you know, he, he does enough of them that I'm like, I, you know what? It's, it's an equity thing. I want a chance to see other people's stuff too. Well, I mean, those drawings are neat, but I, I need to be able to see other memes too. I mean, that's really what I do is I follow people who post a lot of memes. Oh, so like memes one, three, three, seven. I absolutely. I think we'll get to that. Some a great ones. Uh, Phoenix, uh, yeah. though, you know, Phoenix, she does a show with phone boy. She's the one that made phone boy talk slow. Never heard of it. I hear she is the best lead singer that Van Halen ever had. This is true. This is true. Uh, Phoenix is a much better lead singer for Van Halen than phone boy ever could be. She came in after our last show with a 10,000 and a 3333. And the first one said for Sir Bemrose's rant about Israel, the Lotus effect stands with the people of Israel. And then the 3333 came along with the message, fuck social media. Indeed. Which seems to be, you know, just about what you said about CSB and social media in general. Uh, I mean, that's sort of uh, not entirely at all what I said, but close. C. Brooklyn with 8008. That's the boobs donation. He says a GOB is greatly missed, especially when we're on. That is when we are missed the most. When we are live doing a show, people are like, I miss those guys. And they're like, who, who, who's on the stream now? I mean, these guys don't even belong on the stream. They don't have any clue what they're doing. Omega Project came in with 7777 said, no packages were harmed in the making of this podcast. Well, not during the podcast. Yeah, it's official. I'm not getting any of these. So I clearly need to unclog some pipes. <laughs> do, they, do they have a, a camera on you too? So you got like a body like cam? The- the last GOB boost that I have in here is from Kyron. 
Well, I would like to thank everybody for boosting me and ignoring Sir Bemrose by his clogged pipes. Yes, yes. Thank you for, you know, trying, taking, taking all of our hard work and sending money to Darren. And the beauty is for all of you, then you can just boost again, even if it's half as much and be even because it didn't go through. <laughs> Cotton gin with 55 55s. Is this pre-recorded? Yes. Now it is. Yes. Totally. We, we are in fact pre-recording this live so that you can listen to it pre-recorded as we're recording it pre. Yeah. I mean, that was, somebody was complaining uh, during planet rage the show. I do with Larry Blinder, the one that calls you the fabulous Ryan Bemrose. How could anybody complain about a show called rage? I know we gave the uh, Podfather the stream. He was like, I'm doing a boostergram ball. I read, both of us on Twitter at the same time posting, Hey, we're both, both about to do a yeah. live show at one o'clock central. And I'm like, huh? Uh, well, this is weird. I mean, I, neither one of those is a, a normal time slot. So, no, we always do this. We are one o'clock oh, for planet. One o'clock central. Yes. Okay. Central. Yeah. No. Yeah. Your time is way confused. He's like, Bemrose yeah. says noon. I'm like, well, that's Bemrose. That's you can't trust Bemrose. Never, never trust Bemrose. I mean, it's not even one o'clock here. Right. It'll get there soon enough. And I'm like, no problem. Minutes. We can use, we have the podcasting 2.0 ability to use a, an alternate stream and have it be seamless. So we wow. uh, gave the podfather the stream. He did his boostergram ball. We did planet rage on an alternate stream on the no agenda stream. So he stole your audience. Oh no. I mean, we still had the audience. It, it worked almost uh, perfectly where the people that wanted to find us found us. And the people that wanted the boostergram ball found that, but somebody was, yes. Isn't technology great? It is. And that's the beauty of if you're subscribed at the very last minute, we can change where it's going to be streaming at. And you never know. You just get it. I, I, I never know. And somebody was uh, complaining about like, Oh no, I can't listen live, whatever. It's not working for me. And somebody posted, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if these guys would, you know, post it after they you know, record it, you know, just kind of making a joke. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, oh, how wow. crazy would it be if they just recorded the show and then made it available so you could listen to it later? That was kind of the comment. And I'm like, wow, yeah. that's a great idea. Maybe we could even put it into an RSS feed. And even it was the, I was Let's very surprised that Adam chimed in with that one with what's an RSS feed. <laughs> <laughs> Like some people are following around who don't understand sarcasm on the no agenda stream and they're being very confused, but it all works. This is the beauty of all the spinning plates. They just work. And speaking of a guy that just works memes, 1337 coming in with 2702 says leap boosting the split, which you probably didn't even get the split. Cause you were all clogged up. I, my split is, is splitting right down the middle right now. He says, or she says, or they says, we'll keep meager boosting grumpy content as released just to hear the grumpy response to the lack of donations. Stay grumpy and stay well, friends. Well, thank you, memes. Thank you. And if there's nothing makes up Emrose more grumpy than knowing people were trying to send him money and it's not coming in. Yeah, but I found a new, someone new who would give me money on, uh, it's it's pretty constant every two week basis, and uh, it's a lot more than I ever made in podcasting. Is it called the an employer? Yeah, it's called a paycheck, and uh, it's it's the kind of thing that's keeping us from getting kicked out of this house. So I'm I'm going to go ahead and try to keep that patron happy. And I'd be very interested. We're going to watch this as we go forward because I want to know what your area is like with people holiday season 
offering their delivery drivers little trinkets, maybe a nice tip, or maybe they leave you out a couple of, you know, uh, Auntie Anne's pretzels or something like here for the delivery guy. Actually, there there have been not, I mean, not that many, but uh, a couple times I've seen the the there will be a sign on the front porch. There's a little box that says, please put package inside box. So you open it up and it's a little crate or something. And then inside there, there'll be another small thing that's full of goodies of some kind, uh, usually bottles of water, some granola bars, whatever it says delivery drivers, please take. And of course, who am I to argue with the customer? <laughs> well, it's like so, you, now those are the packages that aren't going to get flung through a window. No, they're, they're very carefully placed inside the secure location they want. And as a matter of fact, I mean, that is, that we kind of forget about this, that in this person in personal society, but that is kind of the root of commerce is you, you want, you know, it's kind of where tipping came from. You yes. want your, you, you want extra care and extra service. You offer a little extra. And so the people out there who are like, here's a bottle of water for the hardworking delivery driver. Sometimes I'm like, well, I already got a piece so no, but, but I'll take it anyway. Cause it's free. And there's a and lot of trees like around. Shit. I mean, they don't mind, right? Amazon. That's as long as you don't have the no. body cam on. Oh, who cares what the company wants? They already <laughs> got paid. Amen to that. But be good to your delivery folks and everybody else out there during the holidays. It is. Uh, I mean, all in all, my, us. my paycheck ultimately winds down to something about like, uh, you know, uh, 15 cents a package or something. It's like, damn, you got to get bigger package. My friend, That's I, what I have said. the biggest and unfortunately it's still not worth that much. I don't know. I'd like to hear that from uh, your, your wife who's sitting right next to you. Like talk yeah. about your package, please. Can, can you tell Darren? Yes. yes. He wants, he wants to know about the size of my package. Oh, oh that was a very disappointing. Oh, <laughs> she's like, Oh yeah. I'm not going to hey, Darren. Hi, I yes. hate to say this, but Ryan's got the biggest package of all. Even Santa can't compare. I thought he was Santa. I was. I got better. Yeah, you got a new gig, I guess. Okay. Kyron, I got that too. 2222. And he said, thanks guys for the clips I used on the Value for Value show. If you see some errant boostograms, well, Pembrose won't. It'll be because <laughs> I added you to the split. I got that one. <laughs> and I, you know, I got to tell you, I'm. I am late to the Kyron party. Apparently he has been doing amazing podcasts for a while. And he, he's sort of like you. He does 12 of them. Uh, Which is why it's hard to keep up with everything yeah. out there. Um, you know, he, he does the mere mortals now, which is a Bitcoin podcast. And I never really personally was into it. Like I'll listen to one once in a while, if there's some news or something, but I'm not going to subscribe because I, I just don't have enough Bitcoin to make it something that I care about personally all the time. It, maybe if somebody wanted to give me like a good 10 or 15 Bitcoin, then I'd start caring more about the ups and downs of it. But I otherwise I don't follow it. So I kind of zo zoned out on that. But then he started the value for value show and I didn't even realize it. And somebody was like, Hey, how come this isn't on the stream? I'm like, cause by default podcasts aren't on the stream. Right. Somebody has to tell but you about them. The default state of a podcast is it's not on the stream, believe it or not, which is a good and thing. So I, I dropped that value for value is now playing on the stream. And then he comes out. He's like, uh, so I've got this other one, mere mortals book review. And I don't know if you've heard it, but basically he takes some classic literature from the last century or so. And reviews it in a half hour review and it's stuff that I haven't heard. Like he did, uh, 
I don't remember what he did. He, I think he did Animal Farm, and uh, he did. Uh, oh, one one he actually went back several centuries to uh, uh, Cicero of Rome did a bunch of letters, basically tearing down his political uh, opponents, and he and Chiron went ahead and reviewed that. And I would never have been interested in that book, but it fascinated me to hear his review. Well, I like the fact that people wrote things hundreds of years ago that are now being used as content on this thing called the internet that they yeah. would not understand. I, I, you know, he, he is one of those guys who can make content out of anything and make it interesting. And I appreciate that. So, uh, welcome to, welcome to our community, Kyron. I'm sorry that I didn't notice you sooner. And thanks for the boost. And thanks to Joel W who came in with 1111. Stacy, who came in with 100 and 300 with great show guys. That guy over there came in with a hundred boost. And then we had some other people streaming sats while listening. Sir Sean again, Circus Media again. Man, these people all over. Rock and roll, Breakheart, Weirdo, Harry Pilgrim, Eric PP, and Anonymous. And like I said, the Conchecks, it was very interesting because by default, instead of showing the Satoshi number, it was showing it in real USD currency. And it was weird just to see instead of, you know, a hundred Satoshis every minute with the streaming, it was like, oh, four cents. And it's like, wow, that does add up. Four cents a minute's pretty damn good for a couple hour show. Yeah, but four cents doesn't sound like much. I'd rather hear it say a hundred, a hundred, a hundred. Yes, exactly. It like, seems like, winning, like winning. points in a video game where the, you know, every point is divisible by 10. There's just an extra zero tacked on the end of it, but it makes people feel more special to be getting a thousand points instead of a hundred. I am contractually obligated only to talk video games on Fridays with Gene. Yeah. Uh, you weren't talking. That was me talking. Did oh, you? that's it's, true. Uh, like there, there's a difference between our voices. I think I'm only supposed to listen about video games on Fridays as well. But well, that do is, you listen? I mean, it's not like you listen to this show. No, it's a lot easier. I, I couldn't yeah. produce the show if I had to listen to it. No, God, oh, that, that'd be horrible. But all of these people that came in over the last month, we appreciate it. The schedule will, uh, I think, start leveling off now at this point. Of course, the holiday season's coming up. But at least Rumpy Old Benz is on Wednesday, unlike Planet Rage on Monday, where it's like, yeah, Larry, yeah, Christmas Day and New Year's Day, both on Mondays. Oh, uh huh. and do you think, is he going to be up for it? No, we're already looking for rage from our producers and from all of the, I, I sent out a message on No Agenda Social to all of the people doing podcast, at least the ones I know that it's like, if you want to do a promo for your show, but just do it in a very angry manner, which is for you, angry tech news guy. I mean, this should be pretty easy and we will play those and, you know, have some fun with that. And also hopefully get people to hear about shows. Maybe they've never heard of. Well, I mean, if, if you haven't heard of the show, then you're really not listening often enough. You need to be listening to all the podcasts all at once. Yeah. This is the only way to, absorb everything that you need yes because every podcast is special even the ones that suck in its own in its own way even yes even that one short bus special some of them oh you're talking about the uh, the i'm not talking about anything in particular william j you're not talking about i don't i don't want to i don't want to call out anyone who may or may not do a shitty podcast william j i wouldn't say it was him say anything if you'd like to help support Grumpy Old Benz, go to grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate. You can use that donate button for a one-time or monthly donation through PayPal. You think PayPal sucks? I do, too. You can use the QR codes or wallet addresses if you want to do the crypto thing. You think Bitcoin fucking sucks? Oh, I, I can not agree with you more. 
you can use the P.O. box address to use the snail mail thing. And you're like, I don't trust. I don't trust those motherfuckers. Well, then you better get a podcasting 2.0 app and uh, go to newpodcastapps.com or go over onto Patreon, which I know people are like, I hate Patreon too. There's a lot of people that hate a lot of things. You're getting pretty good at this. I do it too much. Yeah. <laughs> I do what it do too you much. do? Like 13 shows now? And it's just like the uh, handoff for um, the rock and roll pre-show with all the rhyming stuff. Yeah. It's, I think my favorite is at the beginning of the rock and roll pre-show where you've got uh, dusty apples who I, I, I know this is weird because they're two different people, but he sounds a little bit like Fletcher. You have that voice. And, yeah. And he'll sign off and then he exits. And then the stream sweeper plays, which, uh, you know, half the stream sweepers are Fletcher's voice doing something. And then the rock and roll pre-show starts and the opening of the rock and roll pre-show is Fletcher right. screaming. It's like he Always. runs the whole stream. Every show is Fletcher. Every show is Fletcher. It's, it's the way it should be. But I have that, you know, all the rhyming and I had, had written that type that out. And for a bunch of shows, I would sit there and I had that open and I'm reading it. And I mean, I never sat here like I'm studying this and I want to memorize it. No, I just read it for enough shows that I was just walking around the yeah. house one day going, Holy crap. I know this now. I know the whole Blast run of it. In all over your face and uh-huh. did stream the bits and bites to the dames and knights. And yeah, that part was easy enough, but it's the hard hitting, no bullshitting truth, spraying, jingle playing, future telling, insanity, yeah, quality, you, groundbreaking. You have a lot of shaking. practice. Yeah. It's like, it's just, it's just in my head now. It can't, it yeah, doesn't go away. Well, I, I'm, I'm sure that's between you and your therapist. This is true. I hear the little voices in my head. Got, and they're telling me what to say. I got two more short stories I want to drop on you just so that I can clear my notes. Yes, clear um, those notes. And you, you might like this one. Are you familiar with a Lego marketplace called Bricklink? Yes. Yeah, they, they were hacked. hacked. <laughs> just, and people were bitching because, and crying. Oh, my God. The, the, like People who did not realize that large companies with online databases of passwords uh, can get hacked sometimes. Uh, The short version of the story is quote, someone gained access to sellers accounts and were selling uh, some of their stuff at huge discounts while fraudulently accepting payment from buyers. Apparently Bricklink is a marketplace owned by Lego company where users can buy and sell bricks, parts, minifigs, kits, whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, you can just like Amazon, you can go sell your products on Amazon. So somebody got in there got a hold of someone's Lego kit and then started selling. Like, like if they, if they hacked your account, they'd start selling your Legos to someone else and taking the payment. And, the and obviously the you're payment. not sending Legos to people. Right. The beauty <laughs> is being able to redirect that payment. You think it's bad. Somebody can SIM swap and take your cell phone. Yeah. This yeah, is like, oh like yeah, payment. trying to accept the payment and, and have it go to the, and the yes. person who got scammed is whoever bought it. They're like, oh yeah. Death star for, uh, $12. Yeah, I'll, right. I'll pay that. Right. Okay. Well then you haven't been paying attention to what Legos cost. And it was down once they figured that out, it was down for days. Wow. So they had to lose a lot of money, but I can understand why. Did, did your account get hacked? No, I don't have one. So that's, that's the beauty of the whole thing. When you don't have one, you can't be hacked. That helps. That is in fact, my method for most websites that get hacked to not, to be safe is not having an account there. Yeah, because otherwise your information, you put it out there, it's going to get into the wrong hands. And in this case, I mean, I had no, it's interesting because like with eBay, if you sell something on eBay, they don't immediately put that money into your account. So I don't know, maybe Brooklyn does that. No, of course they need to charge interest on it for a little while first. Well, they need to make it like you have 
uh, although shipped it, although I guess if they were somehow hacked and didn't know, they were probably also then checking, I shipped it. Here's a tracking number. Yeah. Well, I, it, I, which makes sense, you know, buy a buyer beware. But meanwhile, if you get scammed, eBay wants to minimize the amount of angry people with eBay for facilitating scams. Yes. Yes. Yeah. They, well, all these companies try to prevent it, but obviously even very big billion dollar corporations, which I think Lego is. The last story I've got. Oh, or were you done with Lego? No, they, yeah, always. Except, I mean, hey, if you're on No Agenda Social, you can see the last thing my wife yeah. made out of Lego, which is a a Taylor Swift piece. Okay. Then we're definitely done with Lego. <laughs> uh, the last thing I got uh, just made me wonder very briefly uh, about one of our particular listeners. He is another one of those people who uh, is, is a patron saint of lots of podcasts. And I always wondered where he got all of that crypto that he splashes around so freely. And I think I've figured it out. This one from Ars Technica says that there was a crypto mining rig discovered underneath the floor of a Polish courthouse. Uh-oh. Uh, I think that pretty much is everything you need to know. Uh, authorities discovered this uh, a week, week and a half ago, uh, underneath the floor in the, uh, in the mining or in the air ventilation ducts and the, the wire runs of all of the IT systems that run between the rooms in the courthouse building there was a, a fairly large distributed crypto rig where they'd have a computer node every few feet along the air ducts just to keep it from like not too much humming or a heat buildup. It used the, uh, it was tapped into the electricity system of the courthouse. It used the ventilation system of the courthouse to keep the rig cool. And it had its own a Wi-Fi wireless connection in order to not use the internet connection from the courthouse. So it could evade detection. Authorities have no idea who put it there. They have no idea how long it's been there. They don't know how much power has been stolen. <laughs> far as I'm lot, concerned, I bet if, if you're the people who are suddenly discovering this in your courthouse, what you should be doing is thanking them because it's winter time and Hey, free heat. In your courthouse. Yeah, I'm just curious how many schools, how many places of employment that people have hidden rigs to do nothing but sit on all day and mine. So I'm not accusing any of our listeners of anything in particular, but I always wondered where all those Bitcoin came from. I think we might have a clue. This may be true. And uh, we, we need a retake on this. Uh, I guess the I guess the fake voice was no good for CSB to use this for a clip. So let me. Uh, let me get into another character here. The Raja Roundy is cunty cunt for blocking me. Okay, maybe that worked better for CSB. I hope so. I, I, it turned me on. <laughs> well, okay, this could be a whole different show. Welcome but not to the, a show I'd want to do with you. Welcome to the OnlyFans edition of Grumpy Old Ben's. Are we back next week? Are we? I'm, I, I'm here. I mean, I don't leave the house. I, I'll exist. <laughs> and you'll be alive. I don't know what shape I'll be in. That'll be the uh, on the 29th. Got, yeah, uh, that's not a holiday. This is the week after Thanksgiving. It's not like anybody buys any packages during that time. So I'm sure I'll be fresh and <laughs> rested. Black Friday. Yeah, you're going to love Black Friday. You're going to be the one like, no, no, don't buy anything. This No, no, don't, don't, don't yeah. buy anything. Out. No, no, don't, don't buy anything. No, no, you get paid by the hour. You should be really happy. You should be like, buy that, in, which I did the other day. There was a really good uh, price on a pack of pens on Amazon. <laughs> 
does. That's like, I always wonder, like, how do you make this work when I buy something that's like $2 and you're going to send it out and deliver yeah. it? And, and most of, because they make it up in bulk, they make it up on the $150 things. True. You know, I, I there's, there's always the complaints about the, the person on the third floor who orders the 40 pound package and I got to climb the damn stairs. Okay. I get that. I almost resent more the packages that are like air. I don't know what the hell's in this, right, but air. it's, it, it's the weight of like a, a business card, right? It's like a gift card that's being delivered. Yeah, it might be. I mean, I did I order a, a 75 pound recumbent bike from Amazon. Why was this worth my time? Exactly. To take this flimsy envelope that has almost nothing in it. That could be somebody's pills. You could be saving their life. You're doing God's work. Join us again next week and find uh, out more. Yes. Until then, I am Darren O'Neill, and thanks for hanging out with us. The 78 in the troll room. Hopefully, a few more will listen to this once it's uh, recorded and uh, put on the internet on an yeah. RSS. All feed. the people who didn't realize that we do a weekly show once a month. Yes. <laughs> hey, if we can't do a weekly show once a month, who can? I am Darren O'Neill, coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America, just outside of Chirac, where again, the lead may be flying, but you know, the tinsel makes it look so nice. And from America's left coast, I'm Ryan Pemrose, and it is now safe to turn off your computer. Yes, everybody have a happy and safe Thanksgiving. Don't be blown off any M80s in the house. Do that out back. Yeah. Yeah.